Good morning. Uh, I'm Simon Clark. I'm the CEO of American Lithium. Uh, American Lithium is a developer of, uh, of advanced lithium projects in the Americas, focused on, uh, on Nevada and also some really high-grade, high-quality projects in Peru. Um, with me today, I have Ted O'Connor, who was one of the senior people from Plateau Energy. And uh, Plateau Energy was a, a company that that American Lithium acquired last year, which brought in our Peruvian assets. So Ted was a key member of the team that built the, uh, the asset base at Plateau, starting first with uranium, and then made a major discovery in 2018, 2019 of the Falchani Lithium Project, which is a high-grade near-surface project in Southern Peru. And Ted was part of the discovery team on that. Um, and before, um, before he was with Plateau, he was actually senior management at Cameco, worked uh, around the world with them, looking at new projects. Um, and uh, following Fukushima, when, uh, when Cameco very much retrenched to their producing assets, uh, Ted joined uh, Lawrence Stefan, who is RCOO, and again, was one of the other key technical players at Plateau who built the asset base. So we're delighted at American Lithium that Ted joined our team when we, when we acquired Plateau in, uh, in May of last year. We look at it that we acquired three key assets, Falchani, Makassani, and a, a very strong technical team in Peru that had found a, a, an amazing asset and taken it through to uh, discovery and actually to proving you can precipitate uh, lithium without the need for additional uh, refining at Falchani. So Ted is a key part of our, of our management team and brings a lot of technical expertise and knowledge. So delighted to be on the call today and we'll hopefully be able to paint a, a deeper technical uh, picture on the assets. Great, uh, Simon, thank you very much for that uh, introduction. And um, Ted, my goodness, um, following that, you've got to, a, a lot to live up to in this in the, in the next half an hour. Um, this is true. <laughs> um, um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to kind of hearing about all three assets. Um, American lithium with um, uranium and lithium. I mean, it's quite a, a hot sectors to be in. You've, you've picked the commodities rather well. I mean, I don't think you could have chosen anything which is going to have a more spectacular kind of run in the last couple of years. Um, was, um, did the uranium just come in by accident because you were looking at um, um, Falchani? Yes. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, we had a good run in 2020 with the discovery of our maiden resource in Nevada. Uh, and the whole critical minerals uh, focus in the U.S. So at that time, we had a good run in our stock price, lots of interest, mainly driven by a lot of uh, U.S. retail. And it gave us the currency in our share price towards the end of 2020 to start to look at other opportunities to bring in some geographic and geological diversity, which we thought made sense. So we looked at a number of projects um, and you know, our belief is that Falchani is a hidden gem um, and, you know, it was in Plateau that it had had some issues with, you know, running out of cash. There'd been some some uh, some publicized issues around ownership of of about 20 percent of their concessions in Peru. And so, you know, we looked at it as a very opportunistic 
acquisition of a of a first-class asset that, again, we believe is a hidden gem. So along with Falciani, we, you know, Makassani, um, which was the, the main operating subsidiary of Plateau, had originally been a uranium story. Yeah, and, I remember. Uh, um, I remember in Stalker um, talking about it way back. Um, mm. Ted, was, was Ian in the, in the, there in the early days with you there, Ted? Yes, uh, Ian and I merged with uh, Lawrence's uh, company to bring in the final piece of the uh, uranium story uh, on the Makassani Plateau. Ian Stalker was the chair of the company, um, uh, Plateau Energy Metals, and I was the CEO until uh, Lawrence kind of took over. And then we had a, a more financial uh, markets person come in, and I remained sort of or reverted back to being mostly technical on the on in the company. Great. So sorry, sorry, Simon. We cut, we interrupted you very rudely. No problem. No, no. That's uh, that's that's absolutely fine. So, so yes. So we we acquired Makassani along with Falciani, and and again, as I mentioned, what we believe is one of the best technical teams out there in terms of discovering unique assets and and proving that you can actually take them to battery grade precipitation. So, obviously, that team has come in and helped us in Nevada. So. Long term, we recognize that a uranium asset probably doesn't is never probably going to recognize full value within a lithium developer. Um, and at some stage, we will look to put the asset in its own vehicle, get it funded separately and drive it ahead. There'll be cross relationships, some, some cross management and board. But at some stage, we're all in agreement as a team that it needs to be in its own vehicle. But, you know, for now, it's a great asset. There's a lot of synergies between the two assets. They're roughly 25 kilometers apart on uh, on the, the Makassani Plateau, which is a, a unique area of mineralization in Peru, you know, roughly 40 by 80 kilometers, I think, Ted. It's a very large plateau. Um, and so, uh, you know, for now, we're going to do some more work on it, but we will be starting to put uh, the uranium concessions in their own separate subsidiary with a view to doing a separate transaction for that company to stand on its own. So it's kind of strategically non-core, but valuable in its own right. Absolutely. Um, Peru and uranium, what's that relationship? Because um, I, I was, I, I just don't, you know, you know to, for a country to be a uranium producer, they need to get their head around what that means. And, to kind of, and there are not many produ- uranium producing countries in the world has Peru, particularly with the political um, turmoil and the kind of the, the 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 tax issues and kind of the, is has it got its head around um, uranium as a as a potential product that it could export? Uh, yeah, they actually have. Uh, so when uh, in the in the late two thousands, you know, we were working away, drilling away finding uranium resources, uh, there was about five different disparate companies, separate companies. And now it's all under one roof, but we were all marching ahead together. And uh, I was with Cameco down there as their uh, you know, technical representative <clears throat> on, a, on a joint venture in Lawrence and Makisani Yellowcake were, were drilling away themselves. And Lawrence's company and the Cameco joint venture, we actually helped the government formulate their exploration stage uranium 
regulations. So there was that because we were the first and only people looking for and finding uranium. And now there's only one company, us, with any uranium resources in Peru. We've been driving that process with the government. So about four or five years ago, we started uh, looking at what, with alongside the Ministry of Energy and Mines uh, uh, people, what does Peru need to allow uranium production? And there's no change in the mining regulations required. There's no change in the environmental regulations required. There's only um, sort of the, the shipping and export and monitoring side of the of the the equation that needs addressing. So uh, the Canadian and U.S. governments, alongside Peru, have have helped them formulate draft. We'll call it regulations. They're not. It's not the Mining Act. It's just uh, implementation of what needs to be done to get uranium yellow cake out of the country. So Peru is uh, was one of the founding members of the International Atomic Energy Agency in, in, uh, in 1953. Uh, they, have a, wow. they have a nuclear reactor themselves. It's a research reactor that produces isotopes. So they know how to get uranium fuel into the country and they have a monitoring yeah. nuclear authority. It just doesn't really quite pertain to mining. So the uh, this institute, IPEN it's called, um, they are working with the Ministry of Mining and Energy to to uh, implement these regulations. They've already been drafted, but as you say, with the political situation, no one's ever introduced it into, into Congress yet. So it sits drafted and everyone's happy. The government, we, us, we're happy with uh, the framework. And uh, uh, we've been hearing for about two years that it's six months away. So they're, they're on side with, with future uranium production. Um, it's just getting the, the regulatory framework in place. Oh, well, I've been waiting for an exploration license in Ecuador for three years. So um, yeah. we're, we're, in, we're, we're in good company. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, Merlin, the only thing I would add, obviously, is Peru was hardest hit on a per capita basis by COVID. Um, and then you've had some political un instability. So it really isn't a question of if, it's just a question of when. I mean, it's on the, as, as Ted said, it's on the, it's on the, it's on the books to be, you know, made into statute or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, we believe with a bit of stability in the government, which hopefully, we'll see over the next few months here that it will actually get through Congress. Now, just to convert a headline on that, on, on, on Makisani, um, you know, just a, a 53 million pounds, a grade of just under 250 ppm, um, leaches nicely, it sits in that same sedimentary basin as, um, as Falchani. Um, you did the, there was a PEA carried out in 2016, different worlds, different prices um and saw the the names on the on the study i i certainly wouldn't have chosen um that group i don't i can't speak for the quality of that piece of work but the question is what are you doing now on um Makassani? kind of technically what's the what's the plan well the plan is to uh um, do some more drilling certainly we've had success prospecting um adjacent to existing resources and uh, 
and and we have some targets in between and to extend deposits, but we also need to do infill drilling because as you mentioned, we have 52 million pounds in the indicated category, 72 million pounds in the inferred category. So globally, it's it's well over 100 million pounds of U308. <clears throat> it is It is low grade, but with all three of our projects, the geology is unique, which translates into uh, inexpensive processing. Uh, in a couple of cases, there's the potential to upgrade. Um, I certainly can get into it a bit more on the technical side. Um, <clears throat> so because the mineralization is so unique, both at, or all at Makassani, Falchani, and TLC, the, it translates into probably the, the, the best or one of the better claystone deposits in Nevada or in the world is TLC. TLC. Can we, can we just, I, I, I want to kind of wrap up on Makassani first. Can sure. you just pull up a quick quick map and just kind of show me where the, where you're going to be doing the infill work and where you're going to do the expansion work and what the, um, kind of what the potential is. You've got a kind of a, sure, right. I, 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 I saw on your website, you've got some nice kind of um, resource maps of the kind of the various little, the little bodies. And yeah, for um, sure. while, while, if you can think and um, pull something up or even talk and, you know, yeah, do sure. two things so, at the same time. The, the the question I've got is what it what is the geology and, and I saw you put out some new metallurgical test work in January or was it February? Um, you know what does the geology mean? Wow, look at that! So our the uranium mineralization is all what we call hexavalent, meaning uh, yeah. uranium's in an oxidized state. Uh, it's ninety nine plus percent the mineral autunite, meta autunite. So, and it's it, soluble. It, it's incredibly soluble and it infills uh, fractures and pore spaces in the host rock, which are uh, 7 million year old frothy volcanic rhyolites. So what we're seeing here is, is a rhyolite rock that has uh, nice disseminated and some fracture controlled autunite on it. And the uh, and there's a spectacular uh, twin drill hole. Um, where we've been able to build our resources is, is where, the, where the mineralization uh, becomes more lens-like, more flat line. And it's a unique style of deposit. It's hosted in volcanic rocks of 7 million years old, but the mineralization is all less than 1 million years old. So it's not a volcanic related deposit in the, in the IAEA deposit, uranium deposit category. It's hosted in volcanic rocks, but it's more like a surficial or a sedimentary style uranium deposit because the uranium precipitates out uh, sub-horizontally um, due to water, water influx. And the water source we've proven with a PhD is the, the melting glaciers to the west of the project, scavenging uranium from within these enriched volcanic paraluminous rhyolites and depositing it in the, the same current conditions, uh, sorry, the same conditions to now. So cold, high altitude, uh, low temperature process. So because the uranium got there easily and, and in a benign way, it comes out incredibly uh, efficiently. We're talking uh, nine kilograms per ton acid consumption, which is, you know, unheard of. 
Um, yes, it's low grade, but it's uh, it's 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 quite inexpensive. So the PEA we did in 2016 was based on $50 selling price of uranium, uh, 5% royalties, which are far less in Peru now than what we estimated, and we were coming in with uh, uh, $17 and 28 cent uh, cash costs for production for a pound of D308. And that included the royalties and taxes and everything. And like I say, we use 50 bucks. Current spot wow. is 60, oh, 62.50, 63.50 right now. So we're, we're back into the post Fukushima, uh, uh, sorry, pre Fukushima uranium price environment. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, the, the crux investor audience, I think, pretty much started on a uranium, um, or on a uranium beat. So, you know, the, um, Crux as a as a platform is very very up on uranium and the uranium thesis. Um, just in terms of the precipitation in situ, I mean, if you've got a meteoric water, um, essentially glacial waters scavenging the uranium, what's the precipitation mechanism? Because it's you know there's no change in temperature or pressure or chemistry. You know there yeah. there has to be something that drops it out where it concentrates it where it where it drops out. So, so what what the model envisions is this this uranium bearing water source the water sourced from the glaciers it travels through this porous rock and it either interacts with uh, existing groundwaters or some kind of flux differential. So, what I mean by that is we have a, a, a the start of an erosional channel. Uh, the the water gets flushed out, so the uranium just drops right out, as uh, and and the waters keep going once you you accelerate the, the fluid flux. Um, very very uh, benign, and I, I actually have done a couple of presentations at International Atomic Energy Agency uh, week long conferences, trying to get them to take. Makassani out of the volcanic related deposit category, which they have now. <laughs> so it's uh, it's unique. There's no other deposit like it on 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 Earth. No, I, I I like it, and I I'm sure I could carry on asking geological questions till the cows come home. But I feel as if I should move on. Um, okay. Are there any um are there any have you got any maps on? There we go. There. Yeah, we go. for sure. Map. So so this is uh, basically our our uranium deposit outlines uh, where we have drilled known resources and their footprints. And this is where we have our 52 million pounds indicated in and uh, 72 million pounds inferred. And um, we need to obviously upgrade uh, the category of resource, but where we're focusing is in uh, these two areas where we've actually put out some results on some prospecting work both radiometrics and uh, chemical assays of, of surface grab samples um, that that have shown we can extend a Calibri deposit at least another kilometer or so, kilometer and a yeah. half. And so this this deposit here, Tantamaco, it it came via the chemical uh, came from me, I guess we'll say, and and it's about twenty million. 25 million pounds in, in this deposit. And Lawrence's company was drilling over here. And we Chemical was marching to the southeast. Lawrence was marching to the northwest. And 
but we never quite got there. And, you know, geology doesn't stop at property boundaries. So um, we're, we're going to focus in between these, these two deposits. And, and there's also 40 or 50 other surface showings outside of this, but we want to start with the stars to, to, to expand the resource and do our infill drilling. So we have like 70 drill holes planned, perhaps 12,000 meters. Uh, we're awaiting final uh, uh, exploration environmental permits at the moment for, for Marcusani. And is it, um, what, what height is the plateau? Uh, it's about 4,500 meters on average. It varies from 4,200 to 5,000. Um, but uh, the, the interesting thing about our processing options, uh, they, they are not dependent on oxygen. These are ox yep. oxide, like plus six uranium minerals, um, and, and they don't require oxygen. And similar with Falchang, there's no oxygen detriment. It's just uh, a bit cooler, and pumps and people have to work harder at that altitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet they do. Um, fascinating. So um, so 12,000 meters, so the work program this year is 12,000 meters of drilling, and um, are you going to re work a study i mean is that is is that part yeah, of the process so, exactly so we're looking at a larger resource base we saw we've also had some uh, incredible success upgrading this material uh, from the photos you can see that the green autonite mineralization is in the pores it's it's relatively fine-grained and so we've we've been able to successfully up upgrade the, the uranium mineralization from a head grade on the order of 250, 300 ppm up to well over 600 just through normal uh, scrubbing and screening. And, and what, that, what that does is we were able to retain 85% of the uranium in, in 30 to 35% of the mass because the uranium all report mostly reports to the fine fraction. So, so we're, we're, we're going to explore upgrading, but also once you have something that's more than uh, 500 parts per million or one pound per ton, um, the original PEA was a, a large heap leach operation. We're looking at making a much smaller footprint tank leach because it leaches so quickly and so efficiently that and, and we'll get the benefit of added recoveries. We'll be able to bring in some lower grade resources to upgrade. Because the economic cutoff for our for our mineralization is 75 parts per million, so we can bring in lots of material. And what's the kind of um, geometry or the geomorphology like? I mean, are these flat lying um, uh, kind of aquifers, uh, and how thick are they, and how deep are they? So they're all near surface because uh, like within 100 meters of surface. Um, they are flat lying. They can range from 10 to 50 meters thick, depending on whether you're at the center or at the edges. Yeah. And these, you know, there's a series of deposits. They range from 3 million pounds up to 30 million pounds each, and, and, and a few in between there, obviously. Um, so the idea is to have separate open pits going, uh, uh, feeding a central processing facility. Thank you. Really, really interesting. Um, and I'm sure that will add, I think, I'm sure you will realise value for shareholders um, in due course. But um, we better move on to the uh, the main course. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you want to talk about, we'll talk about Falchani Lithium Project in Peru because it's 
it's the lesser known of the of our two big lithium projects. And, and once again, it's it's in these in this volcanic seven million year old volcanic event. Um, yeah. It's slightly older than the rocks that host the uranium. It's a different, it's also a unique uh, lithium deposit in the world. It's hosted in tephaceous volcanic glass. So it has the same chemistry as a pegmatite. It's highly evolved, except it's been exploded and, 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 and deposited as volcanic ash in, in what we think is a crater lake caldera system. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get my. There's so many new concepts. I'm trying to get my head around it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you're, you're effectively saying that it was a. Uh, so a pegmatite. A pegmatite will typically form at depth, uh, kind of peripheral to a magmatic system with long-lived um, kind of um, enrichment or fractionation process. Kind of, it's a, it's a highly evolved fluid that leads to a to a pegmatite. But what you're saying is that at that point of evolution. There was some kind of phreatomagmatic event which ejected this fluid, which then froze either midair or on contact. Exactly. So they, these rocks basically have no business being on the surface of the Earth as volcanic rocks. Yeah. The uniqueness of the eruptions comes from the amount of fluorine, boron, all these highly evolved things that lower the melt's viscosities and allow them to travel um, and explode. So they wow. the, they have the bulk composition of a of a lithium pegmatite. Yeah, but but they're frozen. So if you know anything about uh, spodumene uh, production or like how they get lithium out of spodumene or or lipidolite. The mica and the, the peroxinoid that host lithium in these pegmatites, they have to essentially remelt them, quench them, and then the lithium can come out. They break the bonds. So our Falchani rocks are essentially air quenched pegmatitic material. So it's already in a glassy state. So that's why we're able to reach it using warm sulfuric acid, approximately. 75 to 90 degrees C and 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 the lithium uh, and other things come out uh, quite easily we're looking at something on the order of 150 to 200 kilograms per ton of sulfuric acid consumption so not incredibly high but we're talking about you know 3000 parts per million average grade for this this deposit and just to put it in, in large terms. So we have a million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent in the indicated category and 3.8 million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent in the inferred category. And uh, like I say, unique mineralization equals uh, inexpensive processing. So we did a PEA in 2020, uh, just looking at the lithium only. Yeah. <clears throat> And we were sub $4,000 per ton lithium carbonate using $12,000 a ton pricing. Sorry, sorry. The PA in 2020 was just the lithium as in... As opposed to, well, we've, we found that through the processing, we can extract 
we, we believe we're working on this right now with Ansto in Australia to look at byproducts, certainly potash, potassium, so sulfate of potash, a highly sought after fertilizer in, in Peru and, and everywhere, but especially in Peru for their high value crops. Um, and, and we believe that's a viable uh, byproduct uh, because it comes out when the lithium does. It's, it behaves kind of like lithium in the, in the large ion lithophile element sense. Um, and there's some other things, uh, cesium and rubidium that are enriched in our rocks because they're highly evolved um, before volcanism. And, and so we're looking at, okay, what byproduct potential is there? So the plan is, yes, we're going to do some more drilling. I'll, I'll show you some mineralization and maps in a minute. But we're going to update the PEA to include some of these co-products as well as uh, a larger uh, resource base that will be even closer to surface. <laughs> so, so the, the 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 drilling you'll do is a mixture of taking the inferred, some of the inferred to the um, measured indicator, some of the indicated and inferred up um, scale to measured, indicated, and inferred, and also you're going to be targeting new resources through. Um, just uh, expanding tar- along the ex- edges, yeah. as well as looking uh, a bit further afield where we've had some uh, prospecting success. So and if I... Yeah, please, yeah, please bring, pull them out. I was just going to ask about um, the, the, the the mineral processing. So the it, it, it's not a welded tough. It's not a... Um, it's, it's not so hard. Oh, well, it doesn't look hard at all. Yeah. It looks if it's quite friable. Uh, it, it, it is quite uh, solidified. It's basically uh, 50-60% six, silica okay. in, the, in the overall chemical formula. So if you think of a, of a granite or a pegmatite, that's yeah. the same composition. So it is quite uh, glassy and indurated. So yes, it needs, it needs uh, uh, drilling and blasting. And, it needs and crushing a, and grinding. A fair bit of crushing, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it it does because it's mostly glass. It does break quite easily. Like the the work index isn't extreme because it's just glass. Uh, did you, I mean off the top of your head? Can you remember what the work index is? Is it kind of a fourteen uh, or something? Or no, okay. Sorry, sorry. I'm not trying to trip you up. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and when it fractures because it's glassy. Does that, um, I mean, it, it, because it's glassy, it's, it's essentially, it's, it doesn't have a mineral texture. It's kind of a frozen, um, it's yeah, affinitic. It, I'm just trying to work exactly. out kind of an, in, in terms of what it means in terms of the mineral processing. It's, you you yeah, just crush so and grind and, and, and then you've yeah. got the surface area. It's fine. Yeah. And, and that's all that's required here because glass is notoriously un, unstable. <clears throat> so the acid basically gets everything out of it. We, we wow. did have some, obviously these rocks are pyroluminous, so we've had some, uh, I'll call it, our main issue here is trying to get rid of the aluminum, which we've yeah. successfully done <clears throat> in our in our test work. Uh, once again, we've done it at Ansto, it's all in the PEA, but uh, we, we crush between, there's a sweet spot between, you know, 300 micron and 150, 200 microns. Somewhere in the 250, that that seems to be what we have to grind to. So not super fine, but but, yeah, uh, yeah, not, but fine enough. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, when you think of the kind of West Australian 
gold mines, most of them have been ground down to 75 to or 70 to 100 microns. So it's not, yeah. it's not um, exactly. um, so, unreasonable. So this, this, this outcrop is uh, from an area just southwest of our resource area. It's about an 80 meter thick section. This isn't the full 80. It, it goes down the hill behind uh, me. But uh, um, it's outcropping for Chani lithium tufts. 3,500 to 4,000 ppm. And it, it's currently obviously not in our resource area. And this is where we're going to be starting uh, our, our, our expansion part of the drilling. Um, and I'll show you on a the map. There's just a close up of a, of a piece of the drill core. And you can see how layered and, and infinitic, fine grained, uh, essentially silica. And so when we first saw these rocks and didn't have the chemistry, we scratched our heads. And, and basically stopped the, the discovery hole in, in, in this rock, uh, got the chemistry back and, and I was CEO at the time and had to submit samples to a different lab because all the rocks at Makassani and Falchani are, are enriched in lithium. The, the rocks that host the uranium deposits average maybe 600 parts per million lithium in, in the resources. And this was 3,000, 4,000 coming back from the lab. So I didn't quite trust it. So we sent it off to another lab, confirmed it before we started waving our arms about it. But um, were, you, were you looking for lithium at that stage? We, we were. We initially went down there looking for uranium because there were surface showings of uranium down there. And we had never had access from the local community until uh, uh, 2017, 2018, where they allowed us they invited us to come and talk to them because they heard how how much of a, of a, a good impression we were in the northern communities that we deal with on the uranium side. So, uh, yeah, and they allowed us to come down and prospect. So we found some surface uranium showings in these yellow rocks. Yeah. It didn't amount to much. These are the rhyolites that host the uranium. And then we entered into this pink lithium tough bracketed by upper and lower breaches. And this is an east-west cross-section, cross-section through the, through the deposit. And I don't know, it's probably hard to read, but there's 340 meters of 2,900 ppm lithium from, from stem to stern in this, in this hole. <clears throat> so we built up these resources. And you're going to drill, um, is, is this all within the resources at the moment? You're going to drill outside of that and the... Yeah, so if I can call up this map. So here's here's Makassani up here and about 20 kilometers away is the Falchani <clears throat> lithium project. Same altitude? Uh, within reason, it's probably uh, 200 meters higher elevation. Okay. Maybe 45 to 4,700. Um, so there's the resource outline inferred and then indicated in the, in the blue. And, and here's our focus for infill drilling. And that, that outcrop of, called Tresormanus is right in here. So obviously photo, easy wind, the, negative strip the, ratio. The photograph you showed me. Yes, exactly. So, so that's gonna be the immediate focus for the expansion. Uh, it's obviously open up here. We haven't done any drilling, but if, if you understand caldera systems, uh, this is not a normal shape for a caldera lake. It's 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 circular. 
And then uh, we, we also want to do some exploration testing of a, of a new discovery area we have about six kilometers to the west. Uh, we call it Kalkaya. Uh, there's uh, well over 3,000 ppm lithium in, in outcrop rocks. Uh, we've got two or three different targets over there. Um, it looks like uh, the rocks are slightly different than Plachani, but they have, they're still volcanic luminous you know rhyolitic compositions but uh, but we're they're not quite as tefacious they're more look like flows so anyway we're gonna drill a few exploration holes out to the west yeah yeah no I I, I love a good um spodumin story um it's, it's 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 sometimes nice to hedge your bets without uh, going down the iron um, um on exchange route yeah it's um you know, when we looked at it, uh, Merlin, we were, you know, as I say, that the, the things that blew us away with Falchani was just the, A, how it's hosted. Um, we think the resource engineer was very conservative of how, as to how it classified, how they classified. But again, it was a unique style of mineralization. Um, and just the processing cost and the ability to precipitate uh, battery grade without any further refining um, on, on, I think, the second pass through the flow sheet. And it's a relatively, you know, I don't think any flow sheets are straightforward, but it's relatively straightforward. So, you know, this would be a project that would be ready for, is ready for feasibility, um, other than the fact that you do need to reclassify the inferred and indicate it up to MI, you know, to provide your reserves as you move into feasibility. So, that's why we, a big reason for a lot of the drilling, um, upgrade the resource, um, expand the resource, and but also, as Ted said, bring in the byproducts into the um, PEA. So the first step is, a, is it will be a new PEA and then we'll move it straight into feasibility. So um, have you got a target date for that PEA? We're looking at, uh, you know, we've had a few delays with the political situation and COVID in Peru. So... We were looking at uh, the end of Q3, and we're still pushing for that, but it may it may slip into the beginning of Q4. But that's the kind of timeline on that. So you gonna... we've, we've already started the environmental side for feasibility. We're we're into the EIA that's required for feasibility. And the, and the the, the drilling because that's going to be a key component. You need to get the MRE two out. Um, that's going to be a key input into the into the into the study. Correct. So are, are you drilling yet? We are still, we're mobilized. We're just waiting the final permit, um, yeah. which, you know, uh, we actually expected to, to, to get several months back. But um, again, with the, with, with the changes in the ministry and the number of ministers changing in Peru, it's just uh, literally, we, you know, if you look at Peru, the, the, those mines that are in operation are doing fantastically well in this commodity environment, but those that are looking for exploration or development permits are, are kind of stalled while we, whilst we wait for the um, administrative backlog to clear, but, but we're close. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 if, if you've got the framework within which to work, you can work fine, but it's getting the, that framework set up is that that's, that's the tricky bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, good, good, good. Well, it's a good thing that you've got um, um, uh, another project in in the in in North America. But just 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 to check, um, if I um, spilt my cup of tea 
um, on the Makassani um, plateau, would it drain to the Pacific or to the Atlantic? Uh, it goes to, we're across the height of land, so it goes to the north and then east out to the Amazon. So we're at the extreme headwaters of the Amazon system. It goes to the Pacific, or sorry, Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you, um, are there logistical challenges? I mean, is that a kind of, is the route to the coast, is that kind of a big part of the economics? I mean, or is it not? Uh, it's not. About uh, eight years ago, um, the, the Interoceana Highway was, uh, was completed. Um, it, it joins essentially the Pacific to the Atlantic. It, it goes right next to the plateau, the start of the plateau within two or three kilometers of our, of our easternmost project area. So it's, it's right there and it's a paved road all the way to the coast uh, of Peru and it basically joins, uh, joins to the port of Matarena uh, and, and Fine. So, so, Ica, so it's Ica, so it's 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 excellent. So it's just a, it's a basic it's a, it's a basic ton per kilometer dollar cost of calculation. Yeah, for sure. And and there is just to the west of the plateau, there's there's a rail line that joins Cusco with Puno. Um, so we're we're looking at that too. Um, and then obviously it heads to the coast. There's a hydropower plant about. 30 kilometers north of, of uh, us uh, as the water starts uh, becoming more uh, more turbulent as it heads towards Brazil. Um, and it's got excess power and plans for uh, expansion. So the power line, the high voltage power line runs essentially along this road, this interoceanic highway, and it's, it's, you know, a couple kilometers uh, east of the project. So we're not we're not wanting for infrastructure. Um, once we're up on the plateau, the roads are, you know, pretty basic. We'll obviously have to do some upgrading and all that, but uh, it's 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 pretty well positioned. The other key thing from a South American perspective, Merlin, especially when you look at brines and things, obviously, is water, and this is an area of of significant rainfall. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, good. Now, in the, in, in the interest of um, time and brevity, we better crack on to um, TLC, Tonopah Lithium Clays, Clay Stones. Um, um, another unique project. Tell me about it. Yeah. So what makes TLC unique among claystone deposits in Nevada and elsewhere is these are, once again, cold freshwater systems. There's freshwater uh, flora and faunal uh, fossils. Uh, and the claystones were kind of laid down and the lake water rich in lithium essentially gets precipitated in the sediments directly at the time they're being lithified. And there's some kind of electrochemical process going on because the, the clays are quite reduced in a, in a chemical sense. And the lithium is not particularly bound in any mineral lattice. 
It's not like we have hectorite or any of these hydrothermal clay uh, minerals that host lithium. It's more loosely bound. It mm -hmm. still takes uh, a fair bit of acid, you know, two to 300 kilograms per ton uh, acid consumption to get it out. The temperatures are, are significantly less than Falchani. It's only about 60 degrees to make that happen. But there's a bit of carbonate that chews up the acid. That's where the most of the consumption comes from. But what temperature is what, what temperature Falchani? Uh, 90. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. So the carbonates, the carbonates buffer the um, buffer the acid to a degree. Exactly. Um, but but the lithium, you've got lo loosely bound lithium. Yeah, and so we've had we've had leach testing results that that the lithium comes out in 10, 10 to fifteen minutes out of these clay stones, which is you know unique because it's cold freshwater system. Um, and, and loosely bound lithium. It's not in, 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 in lithium minerals per se in the crystal lattice. It's, it's either adsorbed onto the clays or some of the uh, uh, sm uh, organic carbon, carbonaceous material that, that's like detrit plant detritus. That's, it's not coal, it's just little, yeah. you know, micro fragments. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so there's, there has to be some electrochemical. Uh, we're trying to study this uh, uh, at, at a couple of different universities to really kind of unravel like we did with Falchani, like we did with Nagasani, to, to hit it with some science. But, you know, we're already running. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we have a huge resource. Um, I can state it if you, if you want. We have 3.35 million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent in the measured category. Yeah. Uh, Two million tons lithium carbonate in the equivalent in the indicated and 1.76 in inferred. So it's it's quite a large resource already. Um, we're, we are doing some drilling at the moment, infill, slightly ex expansion as well as some exploration, but it's, it's, it's a lot of it's for uh, confirmation not to necessarily increase the category of the measured where that's going to go, but more for bulk sampling. So we're doing some uh, large diameter core drilling uh, within the resource and poking along the sides to, to uh, upgrade the in indicated and inferred to measure. So that's what we're doing right now. Uh, the labs are incredibly backlogged in Nevada because I mean, every commodity is firing. So uh, yeah, we're looking at almost three, four months of delays between the time they get the samples to the time we get our results. So we, we, we haven't got many results from our, from our drilling yet. We know they have, there's claystone, but we don't have any chemistry on them. Um, that, that drilling that you've just been describing, which is kind of a little bit of expansion, infill yeah. expansion, plus the, the, the metallurgical test. Where are you doing that metallurgical test? Is that being also done by Anstow in, in Australia? Uh, well, we've done a, a bunch of, with Hazen, SGS in Canada, yeah, um, uh, and and we've okay. done a lot in in Peru, and now we've sent Ansto a, a bunch of samples. So we we have a few different recipes for the three different processing options that they all work. There's sulfuric acid warm, there's hydrochloric acid warm, and there's um, roasting, and all of them work uh, quite well. And we're, we're looking at, okay, how best to process this. 
from an economic as well as an environmental footprint standpoint. So yeah. that's uh, that's being done at Ansto at the moment, and they're also going to be uh, precipitating product, and we're going to get that tested to see where where it sits. Um, you know, in the in the battery grade category or or what impurities we might have to deal with, et cetera, et cetera. So that see, is ongoing at the moment. I see you've just um, contracted DRA to lead the PEA. Yeah, they worked on exactly these three options for us at Falchani, as did Ansto. So we decided to uh, kind of go with with DRA and, and Ansto as the, as the main, you know, critical lab uh, after we have our recipes. Um, so yeah, they they worked on a, they've had their hands in about twenty different lithium projects. DRA have, uh, including Falchani, but uh, yeah, we we like uh, and then they have some direct playstone experience uh, as well, which I believe back in Ora in in, in Mexico. Yeah. So, anyway, so here's here's just a typical picture of our of our playstone, very fine grained, carved <laughs> layered playstone. Um, uh, you can see it's not it's not red. I'm sorry, yeah, it's not red. It's not pink. It's it's reduced, and uh, and yeah, this this material has uh, uh, you know twelve thirteen hundred parts per million lithium in it. Yeah, perhaps a question for you for you, Simon. Do you feel this is um? Do you feel the market kind of appreciates this asset? I think you know, Marlon. If I look at it from a market perspective right now, I think we actually get most of our market valuation from TLC. Um, I think you know we were a real retail story up to you know a year, year and a half ago, and obviously we've been looking to institutionalize the company more and and, and market it more widely. So I think I, I don't think we're fully known yet, and I think when you look at us against the Nevada peers like Lithium Americas and 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 Ioneer and and Cyprus, um, we're not as well known as those. I think we're getting there, and I think as Ted said, you know the unique characteristics of the claystone, the fact it's weakly bound, it may be lower grade than Thacker, for example, but we have a lot of advantages. We believe in the processing, and just location. I mean, in terms of permitting, we're we're south of the uh, the sage grouse and sage grouse grass issues, and uh, and north of the desert turtle. We're in the high desert, very benign from an environmental and a cultural perspective. So, you know, when we did our plan of operations for the current drilling program, we had a public consultation period of thirty days, and we had nothing but letters of support. So, quite quite refreshing for a for, for a large lithium claystone project in Nevada. So. I think we've got I think we've got a lot of advantages, um, but I do think you know we do need to do more to get the project known out there. But it's it's getting there. I mean, we now have we now have three analysts covering us. It looks like two more are coming on. So you know we're starting to get the name out there. And as Ted said, it's a it, it's a very large resource that could produce significant tons of lithium for a hundred years if you you know if you chose to. So. Um, you know, and we are focused. We've had delays, as Ted mentioned, in some of the labs, and but we now we now have Ansto fully engaged. With the, you know, the beauty of Ted and the Lawrence and the technical team is we were able to do a lot of technical work quickly, and that's now being validated and approved on by Ansto as we look to get our PEA finalized by mid-year. Um, thank you. That's that's really helpful. Um, 
you've you've mentioned in your I think in your presentation there's kind of a parallel between Silver Peak, you know, the Albemarle asset. Is it a similar geology? Is it the same thing? Ted, I think I mean Silver Peak is obviously more on the brine side. Um, you know, this is a you know, I, I would point out that American lithium, and again, I don't want to knock um, competitors, but American lithium did start out life as a brine, a Nevada brine-focused company back in, you know, the 2015 kind of time frame when there was a lot of focus on Albemarle and um, pure energy and a number of the, a number of the uh, brine plays. And we just couldn't make it work. Um, it was before my time, but, you know, they drilled a number of, of projects and our conclusion was the brines in Nevada are not of sufficient grade. Um, and at that time we were very much advised to look at the claystones, you know, very, very much like when gold went from being high grade narrow vein uh, focused in the seventies, eighties to these huge open pit, lower grade projects in Nevada that made a lot of the majors, you know, like Barrick and Newmont and, players like that and so there's a lot of commentators believe that Nevada that the lithium claystones in Nevada will do the same thing for lithium and be the main source of domestic lithium supply in the US and certainly from our perspective it's you know we looked at a number of projects and really like TLC and as Ted said again the unique characteristics of it I think really give us a very large op opportunity in general. Um, I mean, my view is all of those lithium claystones in Nevada will be produced, but I think, um, you know, where we're situated is really going to help us on the permitting side. That's, that's, that's great. Um, I've seen some price curves of um, sulfuric acid in, um, um, in North America, which are a little bit kind of uh, alarming. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, just just kind of bouncing ideas around you know a, a lot of this is going to come down to kind of uh realistic numbers in terms of your reagent costs for want of a better word and uh, and metallurgical test work once you get those elements through then it's going to be um much easier for the market to digest so to speak and to kind of be able to kind of um, value it more cleanly absolutely yeah, exactly because you know how how do you value uh, lithium claystone in the ground? Yes, there are metrics, but uh, the the proof will be in the PEA, of course, or more proof. But you know, I I you know we're we're not planning for an incredible sticker shock when we see our potential op operating costs. Um, however, they they probably will be higher than previous people who use 2018 numbers for you know, sulfur or sulfuric acid at $30 a ton per sulfur, whereas it's 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 quite a bit more expensive than that right now on the spot market. But, uh, you know, hopefully things will... will but it's, all, it, it's also why we like hydrochloric Merlin and, and why we're looking at roast. I mean, the nice yeah. thing about Nevada, like TLC claystones, is we have three very viable processing options. And so we're going to run with all three. Um, until we have to make a choice as we move through feasibility in terms of which one to back. And at that, you, you know, we also have flexibility in terms of do we produce a carbonate or a hydroxide. Um, and so, you know, we think let's run with all three. Let's, let's maximize them all. And, you know, depending on what the input costs are at the time and, and also the environmental picture, which is more and more important, obviously, um, you know, we'll then make our choice. 
Great. Well, um, gentlemen, you've introduced so many uh, new concepts. My poor little brain today. I'm about to pop. <laughs> I've, I've only just recovered. I before we merged with Plateau, I had brown hair. Now it's, now it's white. <laughs> Good. Um, thank you both very much. I look forward to um, following your progress in the course of this year. You've got lots of exciting uh, stuff going on. I I hope there's progress sooner than later in terms of drilling in Peru. I think that'll be just great to see those that those wheels turning there again um and yeah. very much look forward to reading the pea during the middle of the year um from um tlc Merlin, thank you great questions and that was a great conversation Good. as always thank i you. learned a lot from ted as well you know every, every day is a school day <laughs> <laughs> great lovely catch you later take right. care now bye-bye bye-bye